Shaman, a life in Brogans. <laughs> no, that's not it either. Uh. Um, oh, I don't know. Uh, something saucy. Oh, okay. Ooh, possible. Yeah. How something. about that? Mary Chalman, something saucy. Oh, I <laughs> a memoir. Could be. Uh, Get cracking. Scott and I will be the first people to buy it. <laughs> I might. You might be the only people to buy it. Oh, come on. <laughs> On that note. Welcome to the Monster Movie Happy Hour, where three friends share two of life's greatest gifts, monster movies and cocktails. I am one of your three hosts, Mary Chalman. Uh, I am a historian, a farm mama, pavement pounder, a snow shoveler, and a... Knitter, crafter, maker of many things, and now a proud owner of a very tiny Michael Myers, courtesy of our very dear friend, Scott Cheeseborough, Yeah, who is another one of our hosts. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, the, I'm the verbose bloviating host who isn't nice. That's not true. Jeez. <laughs> You're Santa Scott. Good you bring Lord. us all our gifts. Who spent, you know, previous to the recording time, spent most of this time taking peaceful resting cats oh. and making them move because they irritated me and were in the way. But you didn't even, so you you didn't make them move. You dumped them off of the yes. chair. So there you go. In, in all fairness, <laughs> thus, thus illustrating my point completely. You know what? They Scott, they're fine. Look at them. They, they'd be all over you in a heartbeat. Mr. Lincoln. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. And who are you, dear sir? I am Dave Geister, artist, monster kid, and... Uh, Popcorn enthusiast. Yes. And so I will be taking a break here momentarily to pop us a fresh batch of hot popcorn. Even though we do have some, but I don't know about you. I just love the sound and smell of popcorn popping. Especially fresh popcorn. Yes. And since this is our, this because is this is like our Christmas party. This is our holiday yeah. party, right? It's our we special need to have, holiday episode. Yeah. We've got really tasty things to eat and drink. We've got a great movie to watch. Mm-hmm. And we had gifts. What more do you want? It's, and it's snowy outside. It's yes. been a wonderful day so far. It is. Well, the night that, or the the night the uh, the movie that we are watching tonight is <gasps> 1953's War of the World. Yes. Dave, could you give us a very quick synopsis? This is a story that I feel like many people will be very familiar with, but 1953's version is uh, distinct. So could you give us a, yeah, a short synopsis? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and, and this is from our uh, Lord and Savior, Wikipedias. All hail uh, Wikipedias. Here, here. <laughs> uh, this is um, The War of the Worlds, uh, which was known apparently in promotion material as H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds, is a 1953 American science fiction film from Paramount Pictures. I just love the sound of that, Paramount Pictures. Yes. 
uh, produced by George Pell. I do love me some George Pell. Directed by Byron Haskin, who I now know I love because I've seen a lot of his movies. Um, and starring the great Gene Berry and Anne Robinson. And the film is an adaptation of the 19, excuse me, the 1898 novel of the same name, written by H.G. Wells. Uh, and apparently this is the first of five feature film adaptations. I know that there have been also serialized uh, TV more versions. More recently, yeah. And so this is a retelling of the novel, and it changes the setting from Victorian-era England to 1953 Southern California, which I really, mm. really enjoy. Earth is suddenly and unexpectedly invaded by Martians. And American scientist Clayton Forrester searches for any weakness that can stop them. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So wow. I have never watched this version of the film. I've it's, watched, it's about darn time. Marie. I'm very excited. But I, so the first version of this story that I was exposed to, I read the book um, when I was probably way too young. I think I might have been 10 or 11. And then I listened to the radio show of oh, yeah. War of the Worlds. The very, the very, very famous radio show yes. that was dramatized, that was uh, aired over the radio, and that people, it was that was so realistic that people thought it was actually happening and yeah. panicked. And In uh, some places. In As some, some people places. would say, they freaked the hell out. So, uh, a memorable story for a, a time in which I feel like mass panic is a pretty regular thing. But yeah. luckily, we have a cocktail to... Uh, assuage our yes. our generalized anxiety and uh, will numb our, our sense of panic. Exactly so. Yes. Blunt your nerves. <laughs> Made by our very own dear Scott Cheeseboro. Scott, That's what right. are we drinking tonight? So what we have here is a pretty simple cocktail. So there are four ingredients, the first three of which you add an ounce of each, that ounce of each being a... Uh, Vodka, and then rum, and finally Midori, which is a melon liqueur, and then about four to six ounces, depending upon your glass, of lemonade. And there you have it. Uh, Stir vigorously, uh, pour over some ice. Uh, You don't need to put it into a shaker and shake. You can just stir, and that's it. That's all there is to it, and it has sort of a, uh, I don't know, a hazy green look to it. Look at that. It's it looks there. it looks very very doesn't, alien. Doesn't Ooh. it look alien? Ooh, now? that looks really good. Wait wait wait, I want to. It sure yeah. does. Yes. I need to post it on Instagram. <laughs> yes. It looks really good. Well, and Scott, you got us some very fun, uh, some very fun. Uh, what is it? Vodka. Yes, which is called cleverly. Alien head vodka now, and it's also shaped like an alien head. Ha! And and I have <laughs> to, I have to say that if you taste it straight out of the bottle, I didn't see any profound difference. But then maybe it's just little strands of alien DNA that have I been think, added. To yes, it and, and, and which oh, I think sure. will make an uncomfortable appearance at the worst possible time mm-hmm. over the next well, I, week. I can think of really bad times, like... Well, of course. I mean, why not have an alien burst out of your chest during Christmas? Exactly. Wow, I wasn't even thinking of something that serious. Oh, really? That's the first thing that came to mind. thinking about... (laughs) 
I don't know, embarrassing situations in the bathroom. Or well, yeah, I was thinking like the that. same thing, too. Oh, yeah, sitting oh no, on the, I always think of uh, things basting out of, but bursting out of your chest. But Out of my chest? Oh, no, out of wow. my chest. Good Lord. Well, depending upon... Oh, I'm not even... Here he stop. goes. Just stop. And he cuts well, himself off. Yeah, like who, who knows what happens these days on... On those old, on those old dating websites. <laughs> That's right. Things like that. <laughs> wow. Anyways, um, I could use a refresher mm-hmm. on this very delicious cocktail that tastes, as I said earlier, like candy. And we are going to be watching War of the Worlds together. Yes. For what I'm deeming our holiday episode. This is our holiday yes. party. And actually, before we before we refresh our drinks, um, we receive some very very lovely Christmas cards and in the spirit of the holidays Scott could you share with our our dear viewers uh, or listeners listeners whatever um, (laughs) some of the lovely cards that we received well we've received one from Alex Allwright who some of you may hear here and uh, one of the most lovely and generous people I know indeed and from Psychoscapes yeah and although you guys just look, I showed you the cards. Now I forget what the other one Tim. was. Tim. Tim, that's right. Yeah, from Tim, Tim Forbes. Tim, Tim Forbes. Yes. Very cool. So, so very nice. Very, very nice. Thanks. We'll be sending <laughs> cards out to you. In fact, when you're not hearing me chewing into the phone or microphone, you'll be hearing us signing things. Yes. So some very, very lovely uh, cards from some of our very favorite people on the internet in the Mutant Fam. So uh, on that note, I say happy holidays and cheers. 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 Clink. Clink. in the history of man. Nations combined to fight against nations using the crude weapons of those days. The Second World War involved every continent on the globe and men turned to science for new devices of warfare which reached an unparalleled peak in their capacity for destruction. And now, fought with the terrible weapons of super science, menacing all mankind and every creature on earth, comes the War of the World. favor of having dinosaurs pretty much everywhere except my bathroom and my bedroom. You well, know where you know well, what I was talking about today? Hmm. Bigfoot at Fort Snelling. How appropriate given my t-shirt. <laughs> there is cryptids at Fort Snelling I feel like should be a That could be a podcast in and of, in and of itself. That could be a could. special tour. <laughs> wow. Scott cryptids. knows about cryptids at Fort Snelling. He does. Scott wrote the book. Story. Well, no, no, not no, literally, not. but he thought about it. No, I will, no one cares. You know what? Except for us three. Yeah. Our, uh, of our seven listeners, it's like, how yeah. many people do you think are like, oh, Fort Snelling. Oh, it could be. You, you know. never know. First of all, almost everybody who listens Fort, to this is going to say, what is Fort Snelling? Yeah, exactly. And what a strange name. Exactly. Google it. Yeah, it and, be like, and, and secondly, what's the deal with it's cryptids? Just, it's just like Fort Campbell or Fort you know, Mason. or What's it's Fort like, Campbell or Fort Mason? Those yeah. are just Fort... Take, pick a name out of the air. Yeah, exactly. You know, Fort Cheeseboro. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> Although there is, there is 
Now that you brought it up. Is there a Fort Saxton? No, there's, yeah. a, there's a camp. Jeez, bro. <gasps> that was a camp. Where? There, there when? Was, I can't remember where, but during the Civil War, there was a camp. <gasps> Because some oh Scott, every s- camp I have now is going to be called and Camp Cheesebro. And, and it's wow. named, you know, it's some <laughs> commanding officer uh, nobly named it after himself or something like that. Nobly, like Wait, you. Wait, no. Oh, 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 gotcha. This is a proper. This is not like a summer camp. This is no, a, no. This is this like, is an actual it military. Dur- it was like during the Civil War. Because <laughs> I'm just imagining kids in the summer going to Camp Cheesebro. Mm. Well, there. Well, I mean, that'll be my next okay, business venture. This, yeah. this is boring, but there is a there is a <laughs> it's a, a state park. In California, yeah, same la- same spelling, yeah, okay. And there is a there is or was a camp there at one time. Okay, so uh, this could be a real thing. Cryptids at Camp Cheeseboro. Yeah. Cryptids at Champ- uh, Camp Cheeseboro, and also we could potentially have a Friday the Thirteenth style film oh at Camp Cheeseboro, and Scott could be the murderer. Yes. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about oh, oh, the movie. Oh, oh, oh. Look at my deft hand directing our oh, conversation towards 1953's yeah, War, <laughs> War of the World, Scott. I'm going to have to find so, out about this. I know you will. <laughs> <laughs> okay. War of the Worlds. 1953's War of the Worlds, which at the beginning of this podcast, I said that I had not yet seen, but I was mistaken I have absolutely seen this before. It all I confirmed came back to her. Well, mm-hmm. I I knew that I had seen at least one or two versions potentially of War of the Worlds. Um, and Papa Chalman, uh, who I texted whilst we were watching this film, confirmed that he showed this to us. And I'm almost certain that I watched at least part of this uh, when I was in maybe fourth or fifth grade when I first read War of the Worlds because I remember reading H.G. Wells at quite a young age because we read War of the Worlds and we read The Time Machine. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So. What a nerd. Is, 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 would you say H.G. Wells is at a fourth grade level? I suppose if you're Mary Chalman it is. Yeah, I, I, I could have. like I, I was I reading what like. fourth grader is going to want read H.G. Wells? I was reading Shakespeare at fourth grade, Scott. Okay, yeah. Remember, we're, we are dealing with this a prodigy This is why Mary here. had a no prodigy. friends in fourth grade. <laughs> I had many friends. <laughs> I just also. Shakespeare guy. I just I read a lot of books. <laughs> the Shakespeare I guy. I wanted to read like. My Wonder Woman comic book, but she says no. <laughs> she wants to read Edgar Allan Poe. That's right. <laughs> I blame my Mar- parents. Mary, no fun challenge. <laughs> I'm very fun. Very you, you, fun, Scott. You, you are now. You <laughs> are now. You are now. I, I. In fourth grade, you were like, oh, I don't want to hang out with her. She's already got her nose in a book. I had so many friends. Well, no. Okay. This is like, I do feel like I was a, a great deal like Belle from Beauty and the Beast in that like, there's a couple times where it's like that scene, like Papa, am I odd? And it's like yeah, the whole town just Mary's sang about it. <laughs> wore hair back and a really tight bun, and wore oversized glasses. And I dress, never had glasses. I have twenty. Pla- yeah, I have twenty twenty vision. You're ruining my stereotypical. Um, and life. I had long blonde hair. Repressed woman. We've seen pictures. She did, in fact, have blonde yeah, hair. Very okay. blonde. blonde hair. So you're spoiling. Her I was a cute okay. little kid. Anyways, and a modest one. Yes. <laughs> I'm not modest now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not true. I am quite modest, but um, well, I don't about know. some things. About some things. Uh, but I didn't say I was cute now. I said I was cute as a little kid. Oh, well, I'd say you're cute now. Yeah. But oh, thanks, Scott. Yep. Yeah. Of course. Okay, let's talk about the movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't even remember what we're. What? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> let's talk about War of the Worlds. Back to War of the Worlds. Okay, so I turns out I had seen this, but. Uh, 
my vivid memories, weirdly, were from reading the story and then watch or then listening to the radio broadcast, um, which was a very famous one. Yeah. Um, which incited a, a degree of panic among some people because people were listening to this hyper-realistic, I believe Orson Welles. Correct. And the Mercury Theater. Here, here. Yes, radio broadcast. 1938. That uh, was so realistic. Two days before Halloween. Ah, nice. you took notes, Nice, sir. No, I just know that. Ah. <laughs> because I'm that kind of he's also, weird he's, nerd. He's also modest. <laughs> um, but that's what I remember very vividly, listening to that. Well, those, those are great memories. Those longtime listeners may remember a reference that I made in one or two episodes to a Raymond Raquello. Yes. Well, if you listen to that entire radio broadcast... One of the the radio broadcasts within a radio broadcast is interrupting Raymond Raquello and his orchestra. That's, so that's where that comes from. Thank you, Dave. You're very couth. Couth. <laughs> Civilized. Yes. What, what, once again, the Raymond Raquello, this really was the name of the band director. Correct, but he's a totally fictional ah, creation. Okay. He was not okay. a real, as far as I know anyway. A real person. Unlike unlike our favorite almost star of movies from the 50s and 60s, not so much <laughs> 70s, Mary, Hal Greeble. Mary, Hal quickly. Greeble. Yes, quickly. Quickly, Grab what? the reins. Uh, okay, so... Put uh, your boot on our throat. I mean... <laughs> Please. Oh. Very... Okay, we don't, stop. We don't want, okay, we don't want to get people too excited. No, exactly. Yeah, 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 you don't want to um, say that. that. But... Uh, uh, I how, didn't say dominate our, us, but our, okay. Uh, well, <laughs> our dear friend. This how, is a Christmas episode. Yeah, we. <laughs> what, what what screams Christmas more than domination and <laughs> that, that's right. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, I mean, uh, uh, less. I mean, that's. Mary's a recovering I, Catholic. I, I've taken the reins, but let me lest lest we forget a Christmas Carol. Oh. At least she's not cracking the whip. I I do love the Christmas Carol. Huh? That's for Halloween, Scott. Does she have a riding crop. Whips are no <laughs> Scott. Okay, here okay. I want to know. Okay, I'll be quiet. Now. I'm gonna go to Dave first. Yes, there yeah, she Dave cut you out. I want to yeah. know your early memories of this film. My early memories of this film go back to uh, elementary uh, school age, little Davy. I couldn't say exactly what year it would have been, but it was an afternoon movie. Uh, back in the time when there was an afternoon movie, it might have been like Mel Jazz Theater or something like that. Uh, and um, I was blown away by it. Absolutely loved this movie. I always have. Uh, everything from the, I mean, just the basic story, anyhow, which is just very thrilling, to the the appearance of the. Martian war machines and that very distinctive sound, which yeah. just sounds a lot like this. <laughs> yeah, I love that thing. I, so it goes back, it, it's like so deeply ingrained, Mary, that I, I couldn't even tell you when, but I, I've loved this movie ever since. <laughs> our dear producer is taking a, a picture of us. That's right. All the while, uh, <laughs> our, our dear producer slash caterer slash 
uh, Monster Movie Happy Hour mascot, <laughs> Pat Bauer, <laughs> is making very delicious Christmas cookies in the uh, background. That's right. She is. We, we have no less than, what is it, two or three areas that could be considered kitchens in the Deep Dark Lounge if you go far enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's in the closest one, so we can actually smell the baking every now and then. They smell delicious. Ginger yeah. creams, I think, are maybe my favorite cookie. Oh, there you go. She's good at that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but 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 to get back to your question, yes. So it, it goes back a long, long time. And um, this was long before I knew who the producer, uh, you know, um, George Powell was who I've as a as a um, as an amateur animator I of course have always loved the work of Ray Harryhausen it turns out that Ray Harryhausen worked for George Powell when he first got you know gigs as an animator I think after the uh, Second World War I want to go to Scott really quickly <gasps> first yes. to hear Scott's early memories of this movie but I also want to come back to Greg, uh, George Powell mm-hmm. because as animator or as, as animation dorks, I feel like yeah. there's really a lot here. And this that was one of, I think, the highlights of this film was how expert the animation was and how technically excellent this movie was. But Scott, what were, your, what were some of your early memories of this film? I saw it uh, probably when I was somewhere between 10 and 13 on a Thanksgiving vacation from school. I, and I don't know what time of day it was and... That's when I saw it because I can remember. Scott, were you, you living we? here in the Twin Cities, or yes. you, live, you know what, Scott? It's entirely possible that you and I saw that same podcast. Did you? Yeah. What were your? Very what likely. was your reaction to it? Were you? Just, oh, were I, you oh, I, like flabbergasted? No, but I mean, is Scott ever flabbergasted? I like that kind of stuff, <laughs> yeah. so it was immediately like, "Well, this is cool." Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and it was in color, which was a big uh, contrast to a lot of genre movies of the period yeah. which were mostly black and white so well dave you were talking about that earlier that <coughs> yeah, yeah the the fact that it was in color was a big deal and that was sort of one of the collective highlights as we watched it was that it oh, was yeah. so lush well and you know i was just listening to some of the making of material on uh, this uh, dvd and and um <clears throat> the actress ann robinson this interview is from several years ago but she she mentions the color process i think she says this was technicolor uh, by her her memories that they had that that the camera was huge like bigger than you typically saw you know 35 millimeter cameras <clears throat> apparently three rolls uh, film i guess maybe one for each of the main colors right mm-hmm. and uh it made a lot of noise so they had to cover it up, you know, so so the sound wouldn't get in the way of, of the dialogue. But uh, my God, the colors are so lush. It's it's really exceptional for for yeah. a movie that I don't think really was tinted afterwards or colored afterwards. I think this is what you saw. In fact, I wouldn't be at all surprised if what you saw in the theater was even more oh, spectacular yeah. than what we saw here tonight. Oh, I'm sure. And you know something else that has come up. Uh, you know, you can see in some of the. Sequence. In fact, many of the sequences of the the Martian uh, machines, you can sort of see the wires holding them up. Every you know. once in a while, right? I mean, it, it wasn't necessarily distracting, but from what I understand, if you actually saw it in the theater at the time, um, with the intensity of the color as it was meant to be seen, those wires apparently were a lot harder to see. Ooh. It's only been in subsequent generations and duplications of the film. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that curious? Huh. I don't well, quite understand what 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 would cause that. I but. wonder if it's the the digitization process because be. this film was obviously digitized, right? And digital 
digital renderings can illuminate some things that aren't visible on uh a physical film. Yeah, yeah, and you know that that does make a certain degree of sense because there there's something that happens in some of the scenes. I noticed this in a movie that I watched yesterday where <clears throat> at least as it's projected on my my wide is that considered a widescreen TV? I guess yeah. well, I certainly by so. my childhood standards, not by the standards of real people in this day and age, but at any rate, um I I've noticed certain things appear slightly different now than my memory of seeing them even on VHS or even early DVD. Uh, where where uh, there's a lot more texture, you know, and uh, not not always a good thing. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe texture is not the right word. Well, and it's but it, like I say, it does seem to pick up some some details, some effects, uh, and maybe we were never really meant to see those. I do know? like I do like seeing the the film as it was in context. That's why I really enjoy going to places like the Parkway mm-hmm. and. Um, oh gosh, uh, where's that other theater? Where oh, they the show? Heights? The Heights, yeah, yeah, the one near me. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it when they show original prints of films um, because you get to see it in the context in which it was originally shown, which I think is very fun. But Dave, you just a few minutes ago were talking about uh, George Powell, yeah, who had uh, who was born. Um, was it? Was it Gigri? Oh. Uh, Gigri Powell. Um, <laughs> oh gosh. Um, oh gosh. <laughs> Good luck making that. Uh, Marczak. Yeah, I can't pronounce it either. He was Hungarian, and I'm looking at uh, thanks to Wikipedia, so I've got stuff written down here. I think it's Georgi, 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 Georgi Pal, Georgi Pal uh, or something like that. I'm sure I just destroyed the last name, but you can Marchinzak. see why he opted to go with the first two parts of his name and drop the last one. Right, but he, he was Americanized Hungarian. It. Yeah, and yeah. born in 1908. Yeah, well, <coughs> excuse. <coughs> and anybody who knows their history knows you probably don't want to be stuck in Europe, say, after about 1936, hmm, well, 7, Well, I eight. wouldn't want to be so stuck in... So he got in, the hell out of Dodge. I wouldn't want to be stuck in Hungary after, what, 1919? <coughs> like, it was, uh, yeah. He was all, not, he was not in time. a good... Central Europe was not a pretty place for the first half of the 20th century. No, but he... Um, that This is true. He, uh, he was an exceptional artist and animator, and he got work in Berlin early on doing a lot of commercial work where he started his um in the united states they call them puppetoons i can't think what he called them then but uh they were his replacement animation figures you know like when, when a typical animator stop motion animator has a creature or a character that walks across the screen that's a single puppet that has an articulated armature usually it may be wire it may be machined metal but you know you bend those joints and you move it frame by frame with replacement animation, you have multiples of the same character in a variety of poses, and so you simply swap out from shot to shot the little figure. You literally replace it with a completely new figure. And so George Pell did that kind of animation, and there's some really wonderful ones. There's, there's one that, that, that uh, I'm getting heading us off in a weird direction, but it sort of has a connection to this movie if you think about the themes. That he did when I can't think of what it's called, but I think it takes place in Holland, and um, it has these two little characters who are like living by a windmill or something. I, I have vague memories of it, but basically their world is under assault by these machines, and uh, the machines, of course, are meant to be the Nazis at the time invading Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh, that 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 made quite a splash. So if you get a chance, look it up. I wish I could think of the name of it. Um, That's fascinating, but yeah. like, but but if you think about the connections to this movie, you know, Second World War, devastated landscape, a seemingly unstoppable force, all rendered beautifully, mm-hmm. you know. So there's some themes here. But George Powell was he was the real thing, and I, I tend to think of him more as a as an an animator, an innovator in animation, and and I and I forget that he produced and directed a lot of movies. Well, and he was so he obviously has received a number of accolades over his long career, but was awarded an honorary Oscar in oh. 1943 for his work in animation. I did not know that. Um, which is again quite exceptional. Yeah, knowing absolutely. that that's relatively early on in his career where he made movies for decades after. He, apparently so. Um, I, and, and did I mention, you know, I, I tend to think of this movie as being a George Powell movie uh, <laughs> as opposed to the director, whose name I think here, I think we wrote it, Byron Haskin. Um, and I guess the good news is that both George Powell and Byron Haskin were both like special effects heavy guys, but they also were great storytellers. I feel so like special it's a good effects. Combo. I feel like special effects people are sometimes the best storytellers. Like the, the people, especially nowadays, that I see in. The genre and horror movies and monster movies. Um, a lot of the people that I admire the most um, in the way that they tell stories is, or have a background in special effects or uh, uh, creature stuff or yeah. animation or, or techni- the technical aspects sure, of sure. a lot of this. So, yeah. well, we, we think about our buddy Guillermo del Toro, you know, and he's a big effects Ooh. guy, you know. I think he'd be, in fact, I just listened to him give an interview recently and I think he'd be happy to sit somewhere with a paintbrush or, or just sculpt things, paint things. You know, well, he's, he's he's an artist at heart. Oh, like I was just talking to someone about this today, where how we got very maudlin about our love for Guillermo del Toro. You think? <laughs> uh, I'm sure I will that? do the same when I see uh, uh, Nightmare Alley with yeah. uh, my siblings because I read the book. I love the book. The book is, uh, as he says, an American classic. You're here. And very excited to see it. But anyways, um, we were talking about George Powell. I want to know more about... Um, uh, how George Powell influenced other artists. Hmm. And Dave, you were just talking about that a little while ago. And Scott. Well, Scott, Scott's the one who even brought it up. Uh, because wondering if, if, if Ray Harryhausen had originally been oh, slated yeah, to well, do this. And, well. and Ray had proposed his own version of this movie. He even shot... Have you, you, we talked about this, I've right? I've seen storyboards for it. Yeah, and there's a brief animated sequence that the great uh, animator Ray... Her- stop-motion animator Ray Harrison made of a Martian creature as uh, based upon the original story right. as he envisioned it. And they're, they, they, they are somewhat octopus-like yes, uh, in the original story. Yeah, they, <laughs> If you think about it, they're, they're like you know, pre-Lovecraftian, but they sort of have that Lovecraftian feel to them. Uh, so Ray did a, <clears throat> a short sequence, but he couldn't really get anybody interested in doing it. And, um, and then finally he was told, well, George Powell's going to do this thing. And uh, I think it was easier for Ray to handle because he was a friend of George Powell, and George Powell had given him some of his first animation work early on. Uh, so, yeah, definitely an influence there. George mm-hmm. George had that influence. So I, I would encourage anybody, if you can, check out the movies of Dear George Pell. And, and if you're wondering what some of them are, well, think about this. you got War of the Worlds, you got When Worlds Collide, Tom Thumb, The Time Machine, That's, with, with Rod Taylor. That was my favorite yeah. uh, for a long time. I mean, that still <clears> might be my favorite 
H.G. Uh, Wells story. Yeah. Or yeah. that's the one that stood out the most, like this idea of being so desperate to save a loved one from a certain doom. You'll go back to that. That to you will give, to that. <laughs> you will try and give up, ev- you will try and manipulate the universe to be able to save them. Scott and I have been there time and time again. Oh, I'm sure. so humdrum now. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but but those are but, but those are just examples of his movies. And if I could just mention briefly, and then we should, I, should, I should turn it back over to you. I'm sorry. Uh, the director uh, Byron Haskin worked with George Pal on a number of productions. Uh, but Haskin directed one of my favorite um, uh, adaptations of Treasure Island. That's the Disney one from 1950, which has. Just it's it's got that great performance uh, who played of Robert, John Robert Newton. Yes, Robert yeah, who That's was a real pirate in his own right. You know, he was yes. a hard living kind of guy, sort of cut from the same cloth as Oliver Reed. That's but, the uh, only version that I have ever seen of Treasure. Well, you Island. know what? I'll be honest. In my opinion, it's the only one worth watching. Well, and that's <laughs> like I mean, and, and, and Byron Haskin directed that, and, and since he was an effect, I'm sorry, but he, since he was an effects guy. Um, it's perfect because you've got a lot of scenes that obviously needed to be created in England on a set, right? Uh, lots of matte paintings and things like that. He also did a movie that Scott has referenced on more than a few occasions, I believe, Naked Jungle. Yes. Now, that's one I've never seen. Yeah. Scott, what's uh, that one I like? I saw it years ago. But. Oh, you know, it's a noir film. It's a well, and it's also got ants. Yeah, it's got, <laughs> it's ant. got, it's ants. got ants. A noir film with ants. I'm well, intrigued. It's in a jungle. A jungle. In a jungle. And are people naked? No. Oh, ah, bummer. No. I know. I think the jungle's naked because the ants are eating it, right? It's, are they stripping everything as they go? It's, a, ah. it's based on this story, which is called... And it and it's. I know we referenced this in one of our other deep dives. It's like uh, Remington or Lemmington and the ants. It's all oh, about yeah. this guy... Who has a farm, trying to save his farm from these ants that are moving forward, mm-hmm. stripping the forest and the jungle bare. Yeah. Played in the movie by... Charlton Heston, if I remember That's right. Correctly. Who, who played a pretty damn good heroic yes. character from yes. time to time. And I have to say that the, the title, Naked Jungle, is much yes. better than... Lemmington Le- and the Ants. In the Ants, don't you yes. think? I mean, yeah. shoot, like, speaking of people who are like Oliver Reed, wasn't Charlton Heston quite... Uh, oh, No. Really? Not Charlton. He was a little more like Moses. Oh, gross. <laughs> no, well, but he also, Charlton Heston. Was he a teetotaler? No, no. No, no. And Charlton oh. Heston had been a nude model. Good for, for him. For, uh, he, I mean, he was a theater guy. Uh, and, you know, despite the he's reputation a, he acquired in later years. Well, he's a very complicated NRA, individual. He is very complicated because you see him in the 60s. He's at the forefront of a, a lot of the stuff that's happening in the civil rights movement. He's right there in the midst of all that. He's got some of the first interracial, interracial kisses that pissed a lot of people off in some movies. So he's him. a complicated guy. So I always cut him a little bit of slack. Yeah, And hmm. he did play some some. <laughs> larger than life characters but none of which appeared in this movie Mary right I'm I sorry. mean yes <laughs> not, a, not a damn no, one so we were as we were watching this film we were going sort of down the rabbit hole 25 of... <laughs> minutes in on the second segment <laughs> we were going down the rabbit hole of two individuals in particular Gene Barry and Ann Robinson oh, yeah. and uh, Gene Barry is not his real name uh, Gene Barry is a stage name Another and he chose Barry after the great actor um, oh Barrymore what's his name from John John, John Barrymore, Barrymore. Um, the famous of Barrymore's. the Drew Barrymore fame. That's right. So great uh, grandfather. Great, yeah, because he was 
he was acting in the 19 teens, right. I believe, yeah. and 20s, oh, yeah. like very early. Sure. Um, so that's how Gene Barry <clears throat> got his or chose his. Swiped his name from. He did. Yes. I um, love him in this movie, though. He's wonderful. Isn't he, isn't he great? Well, he's, I, he's, he's an ologist. He's an ologist. And he also... Do you know what kind he's, of an he's ologist? He's actually not an ologist. No, he's oh. a, he, he is a doctor. He's Dr. Clayton Forrester. Right. He's a doctor, but he, he's a physicist. Oh, uh, so he's not an ologist. He's damn a, it. He's an physicist. That's right. Wow, Barry. Good luck writing that down. <laughs> he's a scientist and his he's an ist. He's a fist. So he, he's, he's, a fist. he's kissing cousins no, no, no. to a... To a to an ologist, but I love I love him in this movie. I love the whole bit early on when we first introduced to his character, where he and two other assists are sitting around a fire at night. Uh, they've 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 been out fishing. They're yes. they're, they're camping basically. Yes. Yeah. They got the tent to prove it, and and they're sitting around and they're 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 cooking their fish. And the sheriff's deputy comes to say, nope. "Hey, nope, it's not a sheriff's deputy. Oh, damn it! Who is he? It's a park or he's a ranger? Oh, he's a ranger. Yes, because the <gasps> National Park yes, Service thank makes you. a notable. Yes, it does. Might I say notable? <laughs> uh, appearance and in this and film. I, I, I and Mary would say it if I didn't. Uh, God bless the Park Service. We love you folks. God bless this Park... Blah, blah, blah. I'm God an atheist, and I service. still say God bless the Park Service. <laughs> what does that tell you how much I feel about them? I mean, the Park Service is wonderful, but I also love that they show... There's, I guess, within the Park Service, from at least what I know from my friends from the Park Service. Yeah. Shout out to my dear friends from the Park Service. There you go. Um, how many times can we say Park Service in five minutes? Park Service! Park Service, Park Service. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop. Um, but they make an appearance in this movie. They do well, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I always think it's fun. Or so they, uh, our NPS friends are at least some of our NPS friends are very into vintage <gasps> Park Service uniforms, where that's kind of a thing. Sure, who isn't? Uh, who is not? Because the Park Service has been around since effectively the thirties. Oh, I bet it's been around. Since I mean, it's been around like in in some form or fashion, but in its in its current Department of the Interior form. From it was a, I believe it was a, uh, a New Deal. It was a New Deal deal. I honestly don't know. I don't Anyways, know. this is irrelevant. But it's they. They're wearing. <laughs> I mean, they're wearing. They're wearing. Mary, our entire conversations tend to be irrelevant. So <laughs> this is no exception. My joke. I I was telling. I I feel like every time I tell a story, it's like there's no punchline. <laughs> so, so it's like one of my stories. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> they, this they, is why we have Scott to guide they, us. Yes. Oh, yes. They appear to be wearing mostly war surplus. Yes, sure. which I think is very interesting and very fun. Yeah. But whether or not that's really the truth of the date, you know, in 1953, mm-hmm. or is that really what Park Service people were wearing? I don't know. That's an open question. But it all looks very sharp. And, uh, and I like the way that we are introduced <coughs> to the one of the two main characters. It does. And there, there are that sequence. There are sort. There are. I think that this movie is quite interesting because it's even the story itself is quite interesting because there's a couple of main characters, but other than that, it's very expositional. Yeah, where I think even even for the fifties, there's an entire maybe five minute sequence that's entirely exposition at the middle end of the film. Right. It's, oh, there are bits where, yeah, there's the narrator the is telling very us. very beginning, yeah. yeah, the middle, and the end, <clears throat> more or less. And that... Which that, I think is very, I mean, that's unusual. Yeah. To me, it's oh, unusual. Yeah. Well, and some people would say that's lazy storytelling, but let's be honest, there are things that, that 
would be beyond the means of the either the characters themselves to explain to everybody, or it would make the movie a lot longer. Right. Yes. And and consequently even more expensive. And if I remember reading correctly, this movie was about oh dear, was it like two million dollars or something? <laughs> Whatever it was, it was an expensive Whoa. movie at the time. Two yes. million in in dollars. Wow, yeah, yeah. that's like what a lot. Ten <laughs> plus million. I, I mean, well, okay. I, I honestly don't know what the what the conversion rate would be, but but I was just somebody thinking, from nineteen fifty three call us. Yes. Uh, hello. <laughs> no. uh, you know, in that narration, if I'm remembering this correctly, uh, is actually that's the voice of Paul Frees, who plays a radio reporter here, and this is the guy. If you have ever watched about half of the Rankin and Bass holiday specials, a number of which were stop motion animated. Paul Fries is one of the voice actors that they used quite a bit. So, you know, uh, just close your eyes when you hear him in this movie, and he could easily be any number of characters from one of those specials. That's my holiday announcement, incidentally. Great. Lovely. Good stuff. Hey, what about, uh, Mary, what about... um, Anne, Anne Robinson. Well, Anne Robinson is an interesting fellow, uh, an interesting actress. I love that she, um, so Sylvia Van Buren, uh, she has played that character a number of times, I think either four or five times, Hmm. um, as Dr. Sylvia Van Buren in every uh, iteration thereof. Nice. Which, again, for the 1950s is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, In a variety of... uh, not just like sequels, but other other sorts of sci-fi films. Yeah, so she has yeah. reprised the role in a number of ways. But excuse me, um, the thing that I find really interesting about Anne Robinson is that she one is still alive. She's in her nineties, okay, and she's still kicking. Wow. Um, and she and Jean Barry both reprised their roles to some extent. They played the grandmother and grandfather in the night the two thousand and five. Modern version that I remember seeing, yeah, um, War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise, oh, and uh, Dakota Fanning. Okay, um, Dakota Fanning, who is about my age. Yeah, yeah, that that would make sense. So, uh, well, I'm kind of a sucker for the actors and actresses of 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 that era, um, making appearances in some of these movies. <laughs> it's like that that uh, shot in um, the. Is it Kaufman, a remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, mm-hmm. when uh, the main character from the first movie, um, Kevin oh, McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy, the actor, um, has a very brief but very remarkable cameo in the remake. Uh, and so I love the idea of these two being in the, the I was going to say Tom Hanks, but the Tom Cruise mm-hmm. uh, one, which I actually really rather enjoyed. There were some sequences that I found very terrifying. Yeah, it was very frightening. Well, yeah, I remember when yeah. it came out, it was... Like it was very scary. Like I remember my classmates the, 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 like talking the feeling about of wholesale it. panic. Yeah, everything like collapsing was, around you. Well, I mean, God knows we know <clears throat> a, little, a little bit about that. Like <laughs> the idea of things collapsing around you, wholesale oh, yeah. panic. Uh, right. Military convoys. Uh, yeah. Roaming through your neighborhood willy nilly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like that's that's something that I feel like is much more. Apocalyptic movies are uh, sadly and frighteningly far more relatable these days than. Uh, than I wish they were. But. I think so. You know, something that I found myself thinking about, or th- something I found myself. Um, let me let me step back. Let me try that again. <laughs> I think I tripped over my own brain. 
Uh, something that I found myself thinking about time and time again was, you know, this movie was made in, what did we say? It was like filmed in 51 or 52, mm-hmm. came out in 53. <coughs> that's really, that's less than a decade after the Second World War. So audiences in just about every other part of the world who watched this movie would have seen the scenes of destruction of their cities and thought, oh yeah, been there, done that. We know what that's all about. Well, and obviously for an American audience, they would have been familiar with that whole idea. Either you had been to Europe or parts of Asia where the war had um, you know, ravaged uh, cities, um, or you were simply aware of it through you know, stories and, and newsreel. So I suspect that it, it um, kind of struck a chord with people. And of course, the movie is <coughs> coming out right as the... Uh, uh, Korean War is sort of entering its um, non-shooting phase. Is that correct? Yes. Well, it's like movie, a year the after the right. war ends in, in June sort of the of the, the nuclear standoff. Oh, yeah. So so you've got this whole Cold War thing going on. So the public was thinking about it, but but um, it's interesting to me because. I, I do think, as we talked about, they used quite a bit of footage from World yeah. War Two. It looked, yeah, a lot of stock um, footage of stuff. Yeah, yeah, people running, people, you know, uh, the, b- things build, exploding, yeah, buildings, build, falling, buildings falling down, yeah, like yeah. Uh, general rubble. Like there's, yeah, yeah. there's quite a bit, um, and I feel like we tend to fetishize World War Two in a way that I find kind of inaccurate you know what i mean well it depends upon how i i, I suppose the individual right i mean yeah. I, I just think of the the destruction of so many lives and the worlds that people knew you know um the cost of 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 all that madness i think this movie does a pretty good job of driving home that idea right i mean obviously they're, they're the the military is powerless these right. people are powerless to stop this right. thing that's been imposed yep. on them yep. um Oh, uh, there was. Uh, could I could I mention uh, some of the miniature work? Oh yes, the miniatures were so cute. Oh, there she goes, Scott. Scott, Did you they hear were that? so cute. They were cute, <laughs> cute. She says they were really adorable, and I love it when you can tell. I don't know. I don't know if this is just me or if like a, like a, anyone a, a general human. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a, a general, a general human. There is generally a human. Generally, generally, not most, always, for the but most gen- part. generally. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'd be curious to see if another human could tell that it's miniature. I assume they could. Oh. Uh, but every time that there's, and again, these were very good minis. Oh, they were. Like yeah. they were inconspicuous, but because we know what to look for, you yeah. can kind of tell. Yeah. They still. I mean, they they tend to give themselves away, but. But they were so cute. They were cute. They were beautifully constructed. They were gorgeous. So yeah. wait, I want to know more about the minis. Yeah, so do I, actually. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about it? Well, I just wanted to say that, you know, you've, you've obviously got these beautifully crafted. And I, Scott, I keep calling them the Martian war machines. Can you think of what they might I think be better called? I think that's correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know that they deviated from the original story, which is sort of a tripod correct. structure. The legs in this one, as they say, are like electromagnetic yeah and there's like exactly one shot when it first comes up out of the um out of the crater and uh you know it's got like this 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 shape this sort of um what do you call that shape anyhow it's a little hard to explain sort of like Like a hood like a 
mm, like a manta ray. Almost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In fact, you know what? I think you hit it right on the head because I think that's the expression that um, some of the some of the people involved in the movie used. But uh, you can briefly see like these sort of invisible legs. Yes, and, underneath and, it. They realized that it was going to be too complicated to have to show that throughout the rest of the movie, so they stopped using that effect. But at any rate, they're beautifully constructed, and I think they were made out of yeah, they were made out of copper, which means that when the movie was done and they'd sat around for a little while, those models were eventually given over to, if I remember correctly, a Boy Scout um, copper drive of some kind. Which is again <clears throat> wild to me because I know. again, yeah. like they just <laughs> beautiful people would just give stuff away for oh, the yeah. material, which you is know what? It's so Mary, generous, but <laughs> it's not but it's that way with most of these movies. Uh, the, the all the puppets and things from King Kong just sat around on shelves at Archeo for years. And when Lucy and Desi uh, Arnaz bought RKO um I forgot and, they and had. all this stuff happened. A lot of the stuff was just tossed out because nobody wanted or cared about it. God damn it. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, I don't blame them specifically. I'm sure they just said, you know, Get rid of things uh, this is now Desilu. Let's do something yeah. else. But, but the point is, so the, the, those, God damn it. The, those, <laughs> some of them did survive. Thank goodness. A few did, but not many. Uh, but, but getting back to the models for this, and, and a lot of this comes from uh, the, the making of material that I watched recently, but it reminded me a little bit of some of the work that Weta Workshop had to do with Lord of the Rings, which, as Mary just pointed out... <gasps> ah, happy 20th birthday, Lord of the Rings! Yay! There Yay! we go. It's the best movie ever made! Wow. Scott! The best movie ever made. Oh, uh, oh yes. we're going to have a showdown here. No. Name me one better than... I mean... I, I don't... See, I'm not one that... The, ascribes to to people saying these are the 10 best movies ever made i mean this okay like you say if you ask me today i could give you 10 movies that i would say these are these are really good but if you'd ask me a month from today i could give you a list that was like eight out of ten would be different films altogether mine mine changes from day to day lord of the rings (laughs) is one of the one is one of the like I guess, th- excuse me, as I hiccup, um, three consistent movies that are always sure. I they, mean, I mean, consistently in the top ten of everything for me: books, movies. Oh, I understand that. Well, the, soundtracks, like well, all of it. Well, the, it's yeah, like yeah. it's so good. Sure, the other sure. thing is, oh, no, is I, that I get those that. lists are like. It depends on how personal they are. I mean, I mean, you can okay, you can you can pick somebody can pick a film and say. This is my favorite film, or these are my top five favorite films. And from a cinematic history point of view, yeah. and from a you know production value point of view, and all these things, you can you can say this movie is not that great, but it means something to the person. Oh, absolutely. Let us, okay, let right, us right. let us not forget though that Return <laughs> of the King, which came out in I believe two thousand and four. Okay. Is the most winningest film that in the Academy Awards. That doesn't prove anything. It won the most Oscars <laughs> out of any film ever made, Scott. Like so, if we're looking so for much. if we're looking for a if we're looking for a measure of what's the best film, that's as good a measure as any. Okay. It's pretty good. It's no gator bait, but it's pretty good. I mean <laughs> But well, I, I was I was just gonna say in, in regards to uh, the, cat uh, the models in this movie. Um, <laughs> Uh, there, there, there's talk of some of the miniatures that they built for the scenes in Los Angeles where the Martian ships are, you know, cruising the streets. And uh, Scott, how did you put it? They're like 
<laughs> At that point, they're just vandalizing everything. Oh, yeah. Just <laughs> vandalizing interstellar film sets. Va- vandals. Yeah, interstellar, inter- <laughs> interstellar vandals. They're just destroying everything. That would be a they... great band name. It sure would. Ooh. Oh, Ooh. Scott, that'd be a great band hey, name. Interstellar I, Vandals? I tell you what, folks, if 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 uh, Mike Vanderbilt <gasps> ever lets Mike us out. Mike Vanderbilt. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> interstellar Vandals? Think mm. about it. Mike. Some of those miniatures were... Uh, actually pretty large and the reason i mentioned lord of the rings is you know they continually talk about what a workshop making what they call bigatures uh they're they're miniatures of of places but they're still eight ten feet tall and i know that some of the buildings they created for this movie were relatively large still miniatures but uh, you know had to get up on ladders to rig things and and uh, and then there were just lots of really uh, just amazing uh, as Mary would say, cute shots of like the farmhouse out in the woods. I mean, that was... A- or, or rather out in the field. And, and the miniature tree. I love seeing the miniature trees in these movies because like, damn, what did... Okay, so what did they use? Is this lichen? You know? The I mean, miniature they, they trees have, like, were... Sm- were they nice? They were, I mean, they were very convincing. Even yeah. the miniature farmhouse. Like, yeah, yeah. if I if I was watching it and didn't like squint my eyes and like yeah. take a pause and look at it, right? I would never know. Well, it, like it, it looked, it was very <clears throat> convincing, and the way that yeah. they treated the because I think the big thing with minis is like. They are built to be destroyed, right? Oh yeah, um, at <laughs> least in monster movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a good bet if they make a miniature building in one of these movies, <laughs> it's going to get crushed. But and or it's a budget saving measure. Right. Well, that's true. Too. Um, or for Weta Workshop, it was like it, they wanted to show the grandeur. They wanted, oh yeah, they wanted to be yes. able to expand their scale. I'd say they did, um, and they which they did. I think. S- to a degree of success that no other film has achieved before or since. I, um, I, wow. What? Are you laughing at me? I love these grand pronouncements. I don't oh, disagree. I, I, do I do not disagree. I, I, I think it's a perfectly good film, and I, I mean, I think that everything about it is great, but these things like, no other film is, has achieved this See, with I'm, any degree of success compared to this film. I, I think Mary should have been working for the studios in the 50s and 60s making trailers. <laughs> I'm turning into Scott. Clearly, this movie is superior to anything that came before. <laughs> wow. But, okay, what what this movie did that I thought was so exceptional is that... Oh, yeah, the, no, let, just, just to... <laughs> Just to reset the dial, are we back to talking about... We're talking about War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds. Okay, okay. Yes, Just okay, so in sure. War of the Worlds, <laughs> okay, the <all> right. destruction <laughs> of these minis, like, again, they, I feel like one of the big, like, quote-unquote, tells that it's a mini is that it looks quite flimsy when it's destroyed. Oh, yeah. yeah. And for this, it looked like... They they made the materials look like they had weight to them. Yeah, that's and, a good point. And that's hard to do. Like I yeah, yeah. I think that speaks to the technical artistry of people like George Powell, like his team, like everybody yeah. who worked in the effects department for this because it really was convincing. Like yeah. it was they, they they sell it, don't they? It's well I like there was a couple of times where I was like, that's a mini like Yeah, and then and then and then you throw you you throw the um the, the beautiful flashing, uh, like the, the laser blasts or what have you, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. which was partly done but with like an acetylene torch or something oh. along those lines, mm-hmm. I, I believe. Uh, 
that they you know, superimposed over. And then these kind of wonderfully lurid green flashes going across the screen. Every now and then, everything would just be lit up by these Christmas colors. It'd be yeah, like red and, <laughs> and green and green and red, but it looks so, so striking. And, and then the sound effect layered in on top of it. The sound yeah. effects, I think, are quite iconic. Like yeah. that's yeah. that's I think the that's thing that stuff. really like. I heard the sound. I was like, I've seen this before. Uh. <laughs> I've seen this before. I know I have. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so really before, good, really good stuff though. Before we sort of start wrapping things up, I want to know. <laughs> oh, thank God. Scott's got another whole. Scott's got so, forty-five so, more yeah. minutes. No, yeah. no. So we now. I know we are not. We don't ascribe to. Uh, a podcast where we uh, tell the complete story of the film. Right. We're but, not doing that tonight. But, well, yeah, obvi- <laughs> that's obvious. Um, but as far as I know, yeah, we have all we've said a- about this movie is that it's the premise is about a Martian invasion. Right. We started to talk about uh, the protagonist, Gene Barry. Uh, with some other ists or ologists yes. uh, at a fishing trip. <laughs> and from that point... We got know. to the destruction okay. of Los Angeles. It, here's, you know, my, so. here's my thought. So. This, is, this was a story that was originally written in the 19th century. Correct. And honest, like I read it for school. If you If yes. you have not read the story... Read the story. It's good. You can find it online for free. By it's there by H. G. Wells. Like it, it is No relation to Orson Wells. Uh, what a <laughs> no, shame. different right. different spelling. Yes. Um But it, it's really truly like H. G. Wells it, besides Mary Shelley is one of the 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 Titans of sci fi. Um and the I feel like the plot itself is relatively simple. Martians come, they are hostile, they have to get rid of them. Yep. Like, uh, well, there we go. I think I she mean, just wrapped up. <laughs> there you go. It, it really is that simple. There you go. Um, that was actually quicker than the Wikipedia That was the whole movie right there. But before that, Gene um, Barry does some stuff and then yeah. it's over. Well, hey, uh, you know what? I, and I do understand that we, 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 we can't leave folks. Um, if they're still hanging with us, can't leave them uh, trapped here forever. But, but I just want to say that you know, for for as much as I love the, um, <coughs> this isn't going to sound right, but for as much as I love the depictions of the destruction of humanity that come <laughs> from about mm, a third of the way in, yes. I absolutely love the first third of this movie. Before the shit hits the fan, I, I, I love uh, the scenes of the the scientists, the ists, on their fishing trip. Mm-hmm. It, it, and this is all studio bound stuff, right? I mean, from what I understand, they 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 had two big interior studio spaces. They there was a removable wall, so they just turned this thing into whatever they needed it to be. But big painted backings representing the sky, and then they would bring in carpenters to build you know, whatever they needed, and then they'd cover that with dirt. And, but the point is, you've got these really kind of funky, these cool studio-bound scenes of of um, life, circa, what, 1951, 52. Mm-hmm. And I almost want to get lost for a little while in that, that, that town oh, where, yeah, where, yeah. where they've got the, yeah. the, the dance. You know, after after our, and I'm going to call him an ologist because I like the way it sounds. I mean, right. he really Dr. is an ologist. Dr. Yeah. Clayton Forrester. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he and um, Anne Robinson, who it turns out was a fan of his before she realized she was even talking to him. Uh, 
you know, they're, they're at this dance. Yes. And I just love that whole bit there because the uh, even even the the, the sort of um, the, the sort of goofy uh, uh, national park character is the one calling the dance. <laughs> yes. You've got sandwiches. You've got cake. Probably they're drinking punch because it's you know 1952 and they're all wholesome. It, but no, 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 no. I feel like punch is oh. There's a cat. Oh, Mary's distracted by the cat down here in the deep dark lounge. (gasps) There's another cat. But my point, my point is simply this: I love this whole setup, and then something intrudes, you know, uh, because what's happening is out at the site where something has landed. Three well-meaning citizens of planet Earth go forward to make contact, and they pay dearly. Um, And at that moment, with the laser blast, everything goes out. The lights go out. Um, everything becomes magnetized, right? Like the uh, the, the the watch becomes well, at least magnetized. Watches do. At least watches do, and so they have to you know respond. But like I said, the, for the first part of the movie, there's just for me there's just this wonderful sort of slice of life. It's albeit it's not real life in 1952 or 53. But it does feel but, like you're but, transported. Yeah, yeah. I mean the costumes, the you know the 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 stuff, the material culture, and I'm at a point where I really sort of get a kick out of seeing some of that. So the, for me, the movie works on that level as well as science fiction and and i apologize for grandstanding here um but since we're not going to change the filibuster rules um you know i'm just going to i'm just going to do it uh, i mean if congress is going to do it i'm not well let me put it this way <laughs> i just want to point out the difference between scott and mary and myself <clears throat> these two actually read the classics do you want to know what my introduction to war of the worlds is have you never read the book I've read the classics illustrated comics version of it. Okay, that's good enough. (laughs) No, not really. Yeah, it is. But but, but what I've got to say is when I read that, and I read it after I saw the movie, I thought, huh, this is taking place someplace other than... You know, 1953. Yeah, yeah, What's yeah. the deal with the? But of course, I was a, even as a child a devotee, if you will. I was fascinated with, say, you know, Victorian history and World War One stuff. So, you know, it it. Uh, it um, it struck a chord there, but uh, I just use that as a as a way of illustrating the vast difference between myself and the other uh, two thirds of the podcast. Classics here. illustrated comic books. We got a cookie delivery. Great. Yeah, classic. Yeah. <laughs> we just classic. got cookies. I'm so excited. Yeah, Scott. Classics illustrated comic book <laughs> version of Frankenstein is oh. more accurate than any film depiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's true. So Scott, we should track oh. we should track down a copy. Okay, and get it, give yeah, it to yeah. Mary. Somebody, somebody there out there has a copy and is Mary. To, Mary to needs a copy of the Classics Illustrated version of. Um, That's true. Oh, I did read Frankenstein <laughs> at quite a young age, and we read it again. But here's the problem: you read you you read like real stuff. We're talking about. I mean, that sounds really. Popular well, I would culture, love to read that comic interpretation. Well, I I mean, I reread Frankenstein. <clears throat> I must have reread it maybe this time last year during, during like when we could not be around other people. Yeah, yeah. Um, during so the she made her own person. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> that's exactly what happened. And now you know how Frankenstein was, was born. So well, there you go. Okay. On an iceberg. Yeah, yeah. That's, right. I mean, right, that's right. sort of that's yeah. exactly what it felt yeah. like. But anyhow, Whew. a question. Uh oh. Uh oh. Is War of the Worlds? <gasps> Not necessarily in content or in theme, mm-hmm. or perhaps, but visually, given the lighting, is War of the Worlds a Christmas movie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yes. 
but purely given the lighting for no reason whatsoever beyond that. No. My my rules I for making yes. something a Christmas movie are obviously much looser than Scott's. All right. Well, I say yes. So majority rules. That's Scott, War of the Worlds is a Christmas movie. Okay. You heard it, folks. You heard it right here. Ah, uh, man, Pat just dropped off cookies, and they're so good. Great. Okay. I'm, I'm glad well, she's trapped down here in the lounge with us. That's all I got to say. Um, she also cleans a mean bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> and enjoys a good cocktail. That's right. Speaking of, mine is getting a little low. Yeah. But <gasps> anyhow, oh, Scott. Better inflate it then. Scott. Yes. If you were Uh-oh. forced at uh, gunpoint, no, 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 La- laser at, point? At, at Martian laser point. Oh, oh that's even worse. Mm-hmm. Not as not at power point. At no. Martian laser point. <laughs> no, no, no. A only, Martian, only, only, only PowerPoint presentation. Only, only they're, Republicans they're use PowerPoints. Powerpoint. Oh God. Yes, yes. Hey, wait a minute. I use PowerPoint. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, good reference, yes, though. Yes. Um, if you were forced at Martian laser point mm-hmm. to give 1953s. War nope, of the world. Not 1933. I said 53. I Dave, I said roll 53. the tape, Dave, and tell Scott and I. Scott and I heard 50, or 33, but but we're old and doddering, so yeah. you can't okay. trust us either. I might have misspoke. 1953s. There you go. The War of the Worlds. <laughs> yes. From the year 1953. Um, Just to reiterate. Year of 1953. <laughs> the year of our Lord, 1953. Yes. Um, if you were half, if you were forced to give War of the Worlds a rating between one and ten shot glasses, what would you give it? Mm. Hmm. Oh, this is I, actually I, taking I, a moment. I um, I think I. This is much like the. Uh, this brief part of a discussion we had earlier, where I said. If you asked me about my ten favorite films, I might say one <laughs> one thing today, and then a month from now another thing. So, with that in mind, today I say a seven. Excellent. So seven out of ten shot glasses from yes. our dear Scott Cheeseboro, Dave. Nine. Really? <laughs> Thanks for coming. <laughs> Shoot, nine. Nine, no, no explanation. I love this. I love this movie so damn much. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to split the difference. I'm going to say, not because you guys voted that way, but right. because that's what I was going to vote anyways. I'm going to say eight out of ten. Okay. Which, okay. which means now. Which means Hal is, Jr. says that the Monster Movie Happy Hour oh. official recommendation for the War of the Worlds <laughs> from 19... 19- Hundred and fifty-three. <laughs> that is a grand pronouncement. Uh huh. Is eight out of ten shot glasses. Is that what it comes out to? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Uh, the our <laughs> our dear Martian overlords say. Yeah. Check it out. Well, I mean, seven yeah. plus ten, or sorry, seven and nine. I'm, I, the, the, that's the the, the average me, of that is eight. I, I think it's and then I think I'm eight, so it's eight. I think yeah. it's good with normal human math and also with Martian math. Yeah. <laughs> If my and math is wrong, I'm getting pretty good at, at mental math as as a grown up. So I'm too tired to challenge her. It sounds no, it really sounds that's exactly right. It is. Right. I know it's right. Well, that being said, eight out of ten shot glasses. The Martian, our Martian overlords, say check it out. Uh, my glass is getting uh, I, yeah, it's rather awfully dry. Anemic. 
Anemic, yes. yes. Indeed. Like just like the blood of the Martians. Indeed. Ooh. Wow. Nice. Nice. Thank you. Good Thank job. you. Thank you. I thought it was really good. I say we refill. We didn't even get into that. <laughs> I say we refill our glasses. Who doesn't like and... anemic blood? Yeah. I mean, Dracula <laughs> probably does not like anemic blood. Yeah, that's true. He prefers RH negative. Christopher Lee likes uh, O positive, which is my blood type. Wow. <laughs> that being said. You know, O positive I... is the most common blood there is, which is also mine. So are, you call you, it, are you calling me common? <laughs> what I'm saying is exactly what he did. If there's a life res- if you need blood, you know yeah, we're the universal you know you receiver. Can come yeah. and cut my throat and take Whoa. my blood. What? Okay, so so Scott, I think they developed Dave, much are you? easier are you, techniques. Are you O negative? I am B negative. Oh. Whoa! I am I am Dave. rare, so you better protect me. Okay, well, shoot, then we can't. It doesn't matter to Mary and I if you. Well, no, 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 but like if if so, we're O positive. We can't donate to Dave. I know. So Aww. Dave, out of luck. Thanks. <laughs> well, Scott, I can donate to you. Yes. So, oh, good. Well, uh, if in 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 the in, our, in the impending apocalypse, we know that we can donate right. to each other. Be Folks, if, if anybody's still listening at this point. <laughs> Let us know what your now blood type is. Now you're about yeah. our blood type. Please comment your blood type. Whether or not we'll have in the post-apocalyptic <laughs> period the ability to transfuse blood. <laughs> know that Mary and I can transfuse blood between us. And we'll but just okay. keep yes. in mind that Scott's method and of to anyone else blood transfusion involves cutting his throat. And to anyone else <laughs> yes. who is a positive, so we can donate to A positive, B positive, and AB positive, and to O negative. Yeah, we'll set up a whole monster movie uh, or, or monster movie blood uh, drive. Well, well yeah, mutant fam blood, blood type cross reference, so we can all and we will store right. all the blood here in the deep dark lounge. Yes, <laughs> blood. Okay, that being said, let's refill our glasses, Please. and when we come back, does anybody have Yano Scorsini's phone number? I'm going to call him. Okay, you do that, but let's okay. let me let me do my thing. Um, okay, and <laughs> when we come back. We'll talk about what we've been up to. Scorzani, yes. Scorzani, not Scorsese? No, Scorzani. Okay. Whatever. Yep. Cheers. 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 Scorzani, that's a Transylvanian name, I think. I like putting a little splash of bitters in my soda, even if I don't have any alcohol in there. Nothing I like, like bitters. It slightly modifies the flavor. I might do some of that orange bitters, Dave. Yeah. That sounds really good. Um, anyways, we're hmm. back. We are. Now, my two dear gentlemen, before we go on our uh, sort of collective holiday break. Yes. Yes. What have you two been up to? Dave, let's start with you. Uh, <laughs> that's genre related. Oh, or right. or or genre adjacent. Well, what I've been up to, the the thing that happened most recently that I think is worth sharing is, uh, you know, I've been watching documentaries and movies relating to the Battle of the Bulge, which happened eighty years ago. Correct? By doing the math. No, no, no. That's, is it? No, no, no. No, that was no, no. That was Pearl. That was Pearl Harbor. Almost um, eighty years ago. <clears throat> almost eighty years ago. But um, seventy-eight. Uh, the Battle of the Bulge in December of 44. And, of course, there have been a number of cinematic interpretations of it. I watched the one called Battleground the other day, which stars Van Heflin. 
Excuse me, not Van Eflin, Van Johnson, the actor Van Johnson, totally different person, who I've always had a fondness for. Um, <clears throat> generally plays kind of sweet, potentially, you know, yeah, somewhat generally. innocent type characters, yeah. whatever. Um, generally likable. Yeah. Yep. And so <clears throat> I couldn't help but wonder, okay, did he ever appear in anything that would qualify as either science fiction or horror? And... Lo and behold, I discovered that he was in a 1979 Italian production filmed in the Dominican Republic called Killer Crocodile. <laughs> Which is apropos because <laughs> the other night... That's right. <laughs> what did uh, what did Darcy show Joe Bob? Gator bait. Gator bait. <laughs> so there was a gator crocodile thing going on here. I mean, gators and crocodiles are very different as any... Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, what's the what's the kind of ologist that is a, a reptile ologist? Gatorologist. Except, except, <laughs> except uh, crocodiles and alligators are not reptiles. What? They're amphibians. They're not... Are you How, sure? What's the difference? I'm confused. I'm pretty sure they're amphibians. We'll have, oh, we'll have to we, we, we need We need an ologist from the future to come back and comment because suddenly I'm dumbfounded. Yeah, me too. But but while that's happening... Hello. Hello. This this is this is Scott from the future. Uh, um, I, you know, I was I was just looking through our data banks of our shows, uh, and and we just finished our fourteen hundredth show. <laughs> but I realized I needed to amend a, a, a grievous error I made, which is to say, uh, alligators and crocodiles are not amphibians. Clearly, they are the much heralded reptile species and and you know i don't want to uh, offend our reptilian overlords uh and so uh i thought i would correct that before security services find out about it uh that's all i had to say uh, i've got in fact i've got some very fine reptilian guests coming over later this evening uh, uh, they might be at the door right now uh um uh, good goodbye goodbye good goodbye oh, oh dear uh, so <laughs> I watched this movie with Van Johnson um, <clears throat> in which for the first time ever I see him play a sort of a bad guy, kind of a jerk. Um, the movie's a blatant ripoff of Jaws in that, it, in that it comes out within a few years of Jaws and just has the usual setup of, you know, oversized creature, single-minded purpose, um, business interest trumping the uh, trumping <coughs> the uh, you know public will public safety so on and so forth special effects what? so so um, but anytime I have the chance to watch an Italian movie horror movie with uh, an American actor through tossed tossed or two tossed in for good measure I will take advantage of that and I'm glad I did can I recommend it. <laughs> I mean, even for enjoyment's Not sake, sure. I feel like some of the best, especially this time last year. Mm -hmm. So I spent a, an awful lot of time over the Christmas holiday last year sitting and watching old school horror movies. Yeah. Especially yeah. Vincent Price horror movies. Because oh, yeah. he was a big fan of Christmas. You can never go wrong. And that's uh, horror movies are now going to be a staple for 
my family's Christmas. They should be. Um, or we're probably going to put on whether, a couple of Vincent Price movies. Whether they like it or not. Well, that's right. the thing that's funny, so my little sister wants to watch some Vincent Price movies or old school horror movies, oh. and the, which is very sweet. Can you give her Edward Scissorhands, which is sort of a oh, crossover? I would cry. Yeah. I probably will. You um, should. Oh, my God. Movie. My little brother Mark would love that, too. Oh. <laughs> okay, love- we're going to watch Edward's, we're gonna watch Edward Scissorhands, but we're also going to watch some Guillermo del Toro movies. Oh, yeah. Um, we might watch Shape of Water, and we're definitely going to go see Nightmare Alley. So. Perfect. But you know what? You might want to watch something a little more upbeat here or there just to, you know, even things out. And this one's relatively upbeat? Oh, the thing that I just watched? Yeah. Oh, Gator, hell no. Not, not no. Gator, Gator <laughs> Island, Gator Hellhole, uh, what? Gator Hellhole, whatever. Uh, <laughs> croc- yeah, really. <laughs> killer, killer, killer Crocodile's worth watching if, if you want to see a man who had previously been the darling in the movies in the 40s and 50s and the kind of direct that he's forced to act in in the 70s. We've seen countless movies where actresses and actors who we, you know, associate with an earlier period are still working actors, and they take what, you know, what, what they can. Um, and so I watched it for that, and I posted the question on Twitter, is this going to make me sad? It didn't really make me sad, because obviously Van Johnson got a paycheck to go and do this, that he got a trip down to the Dominican Republic, which I guess might be okay. I'm sure it's I'm fine. Sure I've nice never speeches. been there, but mm-hmm. but but the point, but the point is, is it worth watching? Uh, far be it for me to say one way or the other. If you're a Van Johnson fan, check it out. If you're a Killer Crocodile fan, check it out. If you like um, Italian horror movies that are obvious ripoffs of everything else, check it out. <laughs> well, wonderful. That sounds lovely, Dave. There you have it. All right, my dear friend Scott. So I saw three movies that i would mention wait wait scott gets three <laughs> i don't no, have I'm, to no i'm kidding i'm kidding no i'm, I'm, I'm kidding I'd, lo- I'd love to hear so two from the ni- from 1960 one of them which happens to be coincidentally italian um <coughs> it's called mill of the stone mm. women Ooh. and um what a great title it really is it very Come much on. um impressed me as sort of a hammer-esque film it's the first Italian horror film that apparently that was in color. Um, it's hmm. one of these film productions too. Holly Jolly Christmas. Yes. Yeah. There's one of these uh, <laughs> productions too that there are a few actors and actresses in it that are not Italian. Um, yep. That that they just brought into the production. Are they the ones that you know, who, whose names they could showcase yes, on the billboards? Exactly so. and, and interesting, curiously, even though this is an Italian production, that's mostly Italian actors. The film, the setting of the film is in Holland. Okay. So it's not in Italy. Even uh, though it was probably, was it filmed in Italy? Or did they I film it in Holland? I don't know because, because as, as one might surmise from the title, most of the action, not all of it, but most of it takes place in a giant windmill. Which I'm guessing was a set in Rome. Probably. And then they had the location shots elsewhere. Because yeah. they, they did that with... Um, uh, the dad at Manchester Morgan, all this, right. where they, yeah. they've got a few select scenes of English countryside, and then you're back. Anyhow, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. So the other film, uh, also from 1960, a black and white film, uh, stars a notable Hammer, hammer star uh, in a non-Hammer film. It's called The Flesh and the Fiends, uh. and it's a movie with Peter Cushing. Oh. Uh, Mary's uh, intrigued. Basically I depicting <laughs> a dramatized and highly uh, I don't know what you want altered version of the um, murder case involving 
Burke and Hare, the Resurrectionists. Oh, uh, we have talked about <coughs> doing yes. an episode with. Because right, I want to watch that one there with are, Andy yeah. Circus. There yeah, are yeah, about yeah. four or five films that either directly name characters Burke and Hare, or they've altered the names. Who does Peter Cushing play? He played the doctor for whom the Burke and Hare are, are selling their wares to. Interesting. It, it, you know, Burke and Hare were all in. Uh, this took place in Scotland because yeah. they're quite and, seedy fellows. Well, you know, they're, they're they're people who are willing to make their money however they can. Well, they're portrayed as seedy fellows, I suppose I should say. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, they they committed murder. I guess right. we could say for right. And and, and you know, um, <laughs> yeah. while they were not alone in doing this, you know, they're not. Uh, they certainly before they committed the murders. They weren't above going to a cemetery where someone had been recently buried, digging that person up, and then selling them to the surgeon. But they, so. but they finally crossed the line right. when they realized right. that they needed a fresh because because supply. Yeah, exactly the 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 fresher the corpse, the better for the surgeon, and the more the surgeon pays. So that's the motivation. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, was it good? It's very good, and and it's very interesting in that this is not. At least it wasn't the main my main reason for interest, but it was the first black and white movie that I would say this was a. There are two cuts of this film. One of them is for the American audience, and one ah. of them is for a European audience. What's the difference? The well, American one is boring I'm, without I'm the good stuff. To, oh. I'm about to tell you. <laughs> I saw the European uh, cut, and it's in it's in English, but there's a fair amount of nudity in this film. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And most of it is is um, sort of incidental. It's, sure. it's not... Female it, or male nudity? Mostly female. Okay. I think there are no my, male I, jiggly bits, right? I don't think so, but, oh, but there's there's like a couple scenes... Not much and there. Most I mean, of the stuff with, no big deal. Most of the stuff it's with women, there's like a couple scenes in a in a tavern where they're, they're just a few feet short of really having an orgy um, because it's there's all kinds of... <laughs> stuff going on <laughs> and uh so um our producer anyway, just came through and yeah. grabbed a few things just looking yeah, at us yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, uh, as we talk about so, uh, so anyway, cinematic orgies so the um that that uh, finally the last film that i watched speaking of uh of uh adult or more more adult films i watched a movie from 1974 <laughs> um uh, called Vampires, with vampires spelled V-A-M-P-Y-R-E-S. I've heard of this. And this is a, it's a very interesting film, although if you read about it, it most people call it a lesbian vampire film. Yes. It's a movie that... I might have actually seen this. This movie is intriguing, even though I would say um, there's a lot, from a story point of view, there's a lot like, well... What? How the hell did this get resolved? Or you know, there's sort of yeah. these tangents that are sort of left, and and you know, why did this? There's a whole setup with two uh, female lovers at the beginning that are shot by someone in this house. Jeez, and harsh. Then wait, is you, there also a scene with a married couple in a van? Yeah, yeah, that comes later. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, I have so, seen it. So it transitions, <clears throat> and this house is apparently, you know, you're. The, somehow it's not explained how these two women have become vampires yeah. and they come back to the house and there's people that the house is supposedly vacant and there's these two this couple that parks their car near there and and meanwhile yeah, these yeah, yeah. Two, meanwhile these two women are hitchhiking and picking up men 
bringing them back to the house and then drawing their blood over a prolonged period, at least with one of them, and he eventually gets away, actually. But anyway, it's it's um, it's a very interesting film, and, and I wouldn't say it's neither good nor bad, um, but if you want a definite period piece and... Um, I'd, I'd say it's worth watching. Scott, is this English or French? I'm pretty sure it's English. Okay. Um, but but it, it hits all the suitable exploitation uh, buttons for us. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of nudity, and there's, I mean, they get about as close with male nudity as you can, you know, without showing the jiggly bits. But they Speaking get Speaking of damn male close. nudity. Yes. Yeah. Maybe he's going to tell us what she's been up to. That sounds great, Scott. I want to talk about the male movies that I've seen. <laughs> yeah. This is, I mean, I don't know if this is genre related, but this is like oh, male nudity related. Um, it already sounds, sounds like well, a this, horror okay, story. Okay, okay, this is like, uh, this was actually quite well renowned. Um, the, it's called the, the Power of Dog. It's on Netflix. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a yeah, Western. Yeah, yeah, with, with has, your buddy Benedict. Uh, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch. Yeah, yeah. And you see Benedict Cumberbatch. All of him. Wow. Okay. Good for okay. him. Good. Yeah. Good for him. Like, well, and it's like, it's a Look, I don't need that kind of pressure at this point in my life. I mean, he, he, I mean, it doesn't, like, it doesn't matter. That's right. <laughs> it doesn't matter one way or another, but like, it's, I always find it impressive when, uh, because uh, female actors are pressured oh, yeah. in so many ways to right. uh, yeah. commit to total nudity. Right. Yeah. Right. And when male actors commit to total nudity in the same sort of way, mm-hmm. yeah. like one, that's pretty rare yeah. Two, good for them. Yeah. He's, and he beyond just the nudity bit, like yeah. he, he provides an, a, a potentially award-winning performance. That's whatever. Um, well, it's like they're, they're. I've enjoyed him in everything I've ever seen him in, so I can only imagine he's. They're quite Oscar good hunting. This. It's yeah. it's Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, Kirsten um, Dunst is Kirsten Dunst her, and her husband and her husband Jesse yeah. Plemons, both Sorry. from your favorite show or one of your favorites, um, Fargo. Fargo, yeah, yeah, and that's where they met. It was on Fargo. Okay, um, and apparently they had really a hell of a time, like a hell of a good time, rather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, working together and they decided to stay together forever yeah isn't that awesome that's really lovely well so, and they so have two kids least, uh, so i watched the power of dog it's i it's it's eerie it's dark it's it's very good so mm-hmm. i i highly recommend it's based on a, a book i believe from the 19th century um directed by a woman um really good like oh, I, J- jane campion i think yes you it. yep you're oh, correct yeah. and um, i've only ever seen i think the piano yeah which is yeah. an incredible yeah. film which also has male nudity in it Oh my God! It's got Harvey right. Harvey Keitel's jiggly bits. Keitel, right. Harvey Keitel. Oh, and, and it has well, and Holly again, Hunter, who I'm Holly absolutely. Holly Hunter, who I believe won an Academy Award for it, and so the did. Movie so well, and so did show. and so did Anna Paquin. Yeah, Anna Paquin is um, the, yeah. who is sort of a, a genre beloved. Mm-hmm. Um, who is the youngest? She has become since then, right? Well, certainly, and she's the youngest. Uh, I believe she's the youngest Oscar winner ever. Oh, like she was yeah. nine, I think. That seems quite v- possible. But that was also a very dark movie. Yes. Very dark, very bleak, and then also yeah. features uh, again another another genre favorite. Um, uh, oh my God, what's his name from <laughs> Jurassic Park? I'm having a hard time. Sam. Sam Neil. Neil? Oh. Sam Neil plays the the. Oh, I, Do, no, right. he plays the evil husband. And doesn't the piano took place in New Australia? Zealand. New Zealand. New okay. Zealand. Um, Which isn't far from his home. 
That's right. He lives in New Zealand. Is it New Zealand? It's okay. New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which brings us right back to the 20th anniversary of The Hobbit. Not The Hobbit. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> See, it all comes full circle in the end, doesn't it, Mary? Um, it certainly does. <laughs> everything so, leads back to The Hobbit. Everything, <laughs> everything, everything does. leads back. Everything leads back to Tolkien. That's right. Yes, uh, clearly. It's like six degrees of Tolkien. That's yes. right. Or whatever. You, can, you just can't yes. get away. Um, but. Uh, I was not prepared. To, I was not intending to talk about the power of dog, although it was very. Oh, good. Okay, so really wait. So it. this was an added bonus for um, our this listeners. is an added bonus. Um, <laughs> so the big thing that I've been really enjoying recently uh, is a channel on YouTube, um, and it is this gentleman who is a. I believe he's a former Navy SEAL. He was formerly in the military. Mm-hmm. And he tells <coughs> stories of the dark and macabre in in story format. There's no, there are some pictures, but not many. And it's just him telling oh. these occurrences in yeah, story yeah. form. Interesting. And it's he's called uh, Mr. Ballen, Mr. Oh B-A-L-L-E. yes, A L L E. And have you heard of him? Yes, he's yes. Really, he's a really good storyteller. He's I've listened like that's. Really, I don't think I've turned my TV on. Because the last weekend. Navy SEAL storyteller I was aware of had been governor of Minnesota for a while. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> but he's really wonderful, and he's told. So it was really interesting hearing about he. I uh, yesterday I was listening to the story of. Uh, the or I guess it was how he t- the story that he told of the the real life. Uh, inspiration behind uh, uh, Scream. Oh, okay. So, it's a real life inspiration. Well, yeah. Oh, joy. I mean, really interesting <laughs> stuff and how they. Oh, I believe it. <laughs> he talks through and he. Uh, so I, my my tolerance for true crime is yeah, uh, especially over the past two years, qu- quite low. Oh yeah, yeah um, it's understandable. <laughs> understandably so. Right. Um, and he's one of the very. Coin. I mean, he's one of yeah. the very few people. Uh, for like that I he has talked about like true crime and especially true crime against women and he is mm-hmm. one he's very upfront about what you're going to hear yeah, in the episode yeah. which I think is again pretty rare and he includes it in the title for like sure. where he says like for mature audiences <laughs> only or like yeah. or or talks about trigger warnings very openly mm-hmm. um, and he lets you know what you're going to what you're going to expect if so you get to make a decision right up exceptionally depra- uh, exceptionally distressing yeah and the way that he talks about really distressing things is super respectful so okay. I like one he's an incredible storyteller but two he re- he approaches all of these really dark uh, topics with a degree of respect that I really admire, and I've just like, and his stories are frightening. They're fun. It's like it's like telling stories around a campfire, yeah. and I've really enjoyed it. Like I I I miss that kind of storytelling. I think that that's something that we're missing. I I feel like it's very like uh, twee to say something like like we're missing this as a society, but like, <laughs> <laughs> well, our, our storytellers now are pretty much all on. You know, um, or our storytellers have on the screen, if you will. The way that we tell stories is different, and I've re- I really like <clears throat> I've really enjoyed this form of storytelling, uh, this very sort of old form of storytelling. Yeah. Um, and since neither since none of us has meant have mentioned this quite yet, mm-hmm. um, one thing that we did sort of separately but collectively this past Friday was oh yes, <gasps> Joe Bob Ruins Christmas. Yes. Uh, which was a really like. I think Dave and I were getting very sort of welled up because 
I think Scott did too. Scott's capable I mean, oh, of welling Scott, up. Scott's, Scott's, he certainly was. We emotionally were all, bereft. Scott is an old softy too. I don't you, care what anybody you says. Are. Um, we were all very touched by Joe Bob's uh, yeah. sort of emotional sincerity in how he yeah. talked about the whole idea of no room at the inn, which yeah. granted, I'm not a Christian, but... But, but the concept applies as a human being across the board. And and I know? think that he... I really admire people like him who translate those sorts of mm-hmm. Christian concepts to the masses, and not just to the masses, but to like uh, uh, horror fans, yeah. where he's mm-hmm. like, there was there is always room at our end. Yeah, I thought yeah, that was... Yeah, and he true. was he was at the point of crying. I mean, it was, it was beautiful. I mean, I've seen him do this before. He's more than... He gets maudlin at Christmas. He he does, and 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 you know, and I think it has also to do with aging. As we get older, we tend to, um, I think, tend some to us. some of us tend to tear up faster than we used to. But uh, that was that was great, and and of course, as always, Darcy was top notch, fabulous. Yes, Diana she's well, really coming into it. Like, she's, oh yeah, she's yeah. always she's been a force in a class of, nature of her now. own. But it's so much fun to see her as she. Yep. Is her own, her own host. Mary, yeah. what are you holding in your hand? I'm holding a Christmas present. Yay! <laughs> um, and speaking of Darcy and Joe Bob, um, our very, very dear friend Dave, very kindly gifted to himself, Scott and I. Well, because I didn't want to go alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, tickets to An Evening with Joe Bob Briggs, How Rednecks Saved Hollywood. Yeah. This January eighth, twenty twenty two. Just a few who weeks. Thought, just a few weeks from few now, weeks. Um, yeah. at Minneapolis's own Parkway Theater on Chicago Avenue, um, which is in Dave's neck of the woods, my neck of the woods, mm-hmm. and. But this is literally like a ten minute walk from my house. It's crazy. It's how one close of my favorite. I wish movie we theaters. could just drag them over here afterwards. I wish we could just tie them both up. No, no, Jason nope, Henderson nope, talks about sorry. just tying people up all the time. I'm Jason, away right now. I am going to. <laughs> I mean, drag I think them we over should here. In, invite them kindly for some cocktails afterwards. Bring because them to, drag them down to the deep dark lounge. <laughs> Not listening. I yeah, mean, he's out of the here. fact that they're coming to the deep dark lounge is pretty incredible. But uh, if you're in the Midwest and you are interested, <laughs> um, one tweet at us or send us a message yeah. um, that you'll be uh, attending. Excuse me, as I burp. Um, and if you do, uh, it was we a dainty would, burp. Oh, very dainty. Um, we'd love to see you. So yeah. I'm, I'm very excited. We're trying to figure out a way that we can, in the age of COVID, which is having a, what, another resurgence. And I'm sorry, I apologize for interrupting you. Oh. But um, we're trying to figure out a way that we can gather with folks either before or after. Everyone can buy a, 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 an old school dive suit with a big metal helmet. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Oh, yeah, perfect. And we'll have a fire in my front yard. It'll be perfect. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing quite like a, a, a cold Minnesota winter bonfire. Like, and I mean that very sincerely, actually. I'm not being sarcastic. And we could have hot it. we could have hot drinks. We could have hot oh, drinks. With, I could with, make I just want to make you cocktails. With hot um, I want I want yes. to see John. I want John, our our dear friend Fading Arcader, who yeah. also um, shout out Okay, yeah. there's okay. I, I know I'm like I'm grandstanding, as Dave said he was doing. Um, or maybe Scott said he was doing. One of you said use the term grandstanding recently. I, I think mm-hmm. I might have used it. Um, but uh, I do want to shout out John Fading Arcader. Yeah, um, we love him. Our, we love him. Uh, a fellow Minnesotan who very, very kindly got the Mutant Fam a uh, a cameo from Freddy Krueger. That's right. Oh, yeah. The man um, himself. And which 
absolutely made my day. I think I saw it. I was at work, and I think I literally screamed, holy shit. Yeah. That was was, was was like, oh, my God. It was so wonderful. And then our dear friend Alex, all right, um, who purchased a number of T-shirts and made a very generous donation to Joe Bob and Darcy's uh, telethon. Yeah. Yeah. I won one of those t-shirts. No, you did not. <gasps> Scott, really? Yep. <gasps> That's so cool. <laughs> so I think it, it, because I have no shame. I, 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 I introduced contests. So. Oh, that's I didn't even like, well, I, yeah. I have no shame either, but that's so cool. It's yeah, a good thing. Yeah. But I think this is just another way of saying that we're, we count ourselves lucky to be part of this broader um, community of uh, lost kids, monster kids, mutant family. The Island of Lost Toys. Yeah. And, yeah, or and the Island of Misfit, Misfit Toys. Right, and, and, and the whole idea that there is room at the end for, for everybody. Yeah. Um, and it's, I like that. And we're like really lucky to be able to be surrounded by so many people who are so kind and generous and... Uh, I mean, speaking of the holidays, really embody yeah. the, the spirit of Christmas uh, here, here. each day. So with that being said, I would like to raise a glass. No. Oh, Scott refuses to raise a oh, glass. No, 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 because we have <laughs> wow. one more thing. He just shut us down. Okay, right. what, Scott, is our next film that we will be watching? The next film that we are watching is from... Oh, dear. It's, it's, it's a... It's a <laughs> classic film from 2016 which i'm sure everyone has seen i'm so excited <laughs> the Epic. cinematic uh, you know masterpiece uh, starring two of the three members of monster movie happy hour scott cheeseboro and dave geister that's right with, with, with the brief cameo appearance by co-starring <laughs> You know, with Tony Todd. Now, <laughs> Tony Todd, from what I know of him, is such a humble individual. He probably wouldn't even mention our names because he, you know, he just doesn't want to embarrass us. Exactly. So, so but you know, we were in this movie and um, uh, d- uh, effects and makeup done by oh, our dear friend oh, yes, uh, right. Ryan yeah. Shadley. Yes. Yeah. That's how we first uh, met Ryan. He uh, made us Minnesota. look like yeah. Yeah. Um, so. It'll be fun to talk about that. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm very excited <laughs> so to see everybody it. Everybody who's not seen this movie, 2016 Zombies, you got to rush out and see it immediately. And it, okay, and if you can actually find either Scott can, or myself okay, in the movie, I, okay, if you wow. can find us, uh, take a screenshot, tweet it, tag <laughs> us, and we will send you <gasps> yes. a T-shirt. Wow! A poster, a sticker, and a shot glass. That's probably going to be modified because only because no! I can see somebody going, "Hey, Mr. X just posted a picture. I'm just going to do a screen cap." <laughs> no, 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 okay. Let's let's make it this way. If you're if you're the the first person to find a screenshot, there we go. Of there Dave go. and there Scott, we, go. Yeah, okay. we will give you a T-shirt in the size of your choosing. Yeah. A That's shot right. glass, That's right. a sticker, and right. a coaster. Yeah. And all of our love. And all of our love. <laughs> Speaking of all of our love. That's sentiment. Yes. That's not physical love. No. Sentiment no. Those, only. Those, days are, also, those <laughs> days are long gone. Well. For, for some of us. For some of us. Uh, now, just, let it, just let it go, Mary. Just anyways. let it go. <laughs> okay. I suggest that we raise a glass and give a toast not only to all of our fellow mutants and dear friends and comrades and compatriots on the island of misfit toys, oh. but 
um, that we raise a toast to all of the artists who bring us the movies. We appreciate all of your hard work. Thanks for joining us here in the Deep Dark Lounge. We look forward to raising a glass with you next time. Until then, you can contact us through our website, www.monstermoviehappyhour.com, and engage with us on Facebook, as well as Instagram. <coughs> more often, more often <laughs> than it yeah. has been before, yeah. um, and yes. more often than Facebook these days, might I add. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, that is but true. primarily on uh, Twitter, yep. at yeah. Monsters and Drinks. That is Monsters. The letter N drinks. That's right. Letter N. My dear friends, cheers. 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 Hey. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Yes. Merry yes. Christmas. Yes. See you in 2022. Merry yes. Christmas. Yes. Io Saturnalia. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Let me go burn a few laurel leaves for Zeus. <laughs> I will. Sure. <laughs> As always, our music is provided by the amazing Kevin McLeod, and you can hear more of Kevin's music at incompetech.filmmusic.io. Cheers. Oh.